What up, though, people? Welcome to Believe in Pistons, a Detroit Pistons podcast brought to you by the Believe Network. I'm your host, Brandon Dent, a.k.a. Detroit Kool-Aid, and I am an NBA credentialed beat writer from Woodward Sports. I do cover the Detroit Pistons this year, and it's been a pretty awesome time. I'm going to share a lot of those experiences with you as these episodes get going. But this episode, this first episode on a Thursday, December 15th, this is the all beef episode. Do you believe in beef? Huh? I'm calling out the Killian Hayes haters. I got to call y'all out, man. And I hope you guys come. I really do. I really do. Also, we got to talk about Benedict Matherin versus Jay Ivey. It's too much talk that I'm hearing. And I'm a little bit disappointed, especially from some of the Detroit Pistons fans that I hear in these debates actually siding with Benedict Matherin. But we're going to get into it. Listen, the last game that the Detroit Pistons played before um, this recording was against the Charlotte Hornets, uh, where they won 141-134. Defense need not apply. No, 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 no. These guys were out to score, score, score all night. And I was wondering if the Detroit Pistons actually had enough to keep up. They were already shorthanded without Cade Cunningham. LaMelo Ball was returning for the Charlotte Hornets, and the Pistons lost Marvin Bagley to right knee soreness in this game. So they were facing an uphill battle, but they were tough, man. Tough, tough, tough. Obviously, the vet, Boyan, he did his thing, man, with 24 points, four rebounds, four assists. But the story tonight, it was Killian Hayes. We can talk about what Isaiah Stewart did, and he played well. Jalen Duran, he did really, really well. Uh, Kevin Knox, Alec Burks. Listen. Guys did they 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 handled their own you know career high nineteen rebounds for Jalen Duran uh, against the Hornets but it was about Killian Hayes and his career high five three pointers twenty five points seven rebounds and eight assists guys come on come on where the hater I don't I I don't hear y'all hey and you know what else let me see here something else down the stretch of that game not one but two big three pointers. Y'all want to see the shot? Y'all see the y'all 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 already know it's butter, boy. It's butter. Listen, Killian Hayes has played so much more confidently. I don't mean just just hey, I'm taking a a baby step forward or a nice step forward. This guy looks like a completely different player than he did to start the season. And I want to get into it here. Okay, let me bring up his stats to um out of his first ten games of the season, and I and, and I can understand. Why a lot of people were upset with his start and ready to just get him out of town. But people, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen, I, the receipts are out there, man. Some of the articles that I wrote, um, let me see here. Yeah, now, look, some of the articles that I wrote, uh, some of the shows that I've been on, the Morning Woodward Show, Woodward Pistons Podcast, among some other things, Table Talk, From Half Court, you know, there, there's a lot of different networks I've been able to have the privilege to be on and, and and really state my piece before Killian got on this run. And I continue to state, listen, guys, I don't believe this is a skill set thing with him. I don't think this is a, a issue of Killian Hayes needing to learn how to play basketball. I believe that this was just an adjustment mentally that had to take place. Was it fair to criticize him game by game? Sure. Was it fair to be disappointed in his performance or lack thereof? Sure. But to say that the kid need to be shipped out of town before we actually got to see him do again what he did in preseason, as well as a large chunk of the season to end it last year, that's a little bit too premature, especially if we're going off, what, the first 10 games of the season? 
Listen, the Pistons right now are only 28 games in. A lot of people are basing their claims off of these 10 games. So we're going to compare his first 10 with his last 10 just so you guys can get a full measure of what Killian Hayes is doing. Now, some factors that contributed to this, to this slow start. Three point, you know, what do you have here? 3.1 assists per game. They put that first as, as it's his highest, um, you know, average. Usually points are going to be higher, so they usually put that first. But 2.7 points and 2.1 rebounds in 10 games, yo. It was bleak. He was shooting, what, 18.2% from the field, 16.7% from three, man. Bleak, 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 bleak. And I'm not even going to I'm not even gonna hold nobody. Listen, even I, somebody who I believed in Killian from the time that the Pistons drafted him, I was disappointed. I was getting a little bit discouraged, but I continue to say, you know what? We've seen this out of him. He kind of goes through these slumps, through these dives and everything. And when you look at these factors, his role changed, his shot attempts dropped, and his type of shots changed from preseason to the regular season, then you can start to understand, well, maybe they need to put Killian Hayes in a little bit better position to score. And they wound up doing that. When they put him on the bench, it didn't really, really mesh with him. It looked like he went from a guy who was just kind of out there loosely playing with the ball. Man, Killian was out there just kind of blah, blah, blah. Oh, I got you. Finger rolling. Oh, threes. Doing his thing in preseason. Doing his thing at the Rico Hines runs. We saw him in the gym all summer. We saw him bulk up, too. So we know he was putting in the work. We know that. But when he got moved to the bench, his style of play went to more like that first year, like run the offense rather than go out there and just be a hooper. I believe that Killian Hayes is a hooper more so than just go out there and just kind of be a game manager. He's not one of those types of guys. You put him in a position to game manage, he got to think too much. And you see it on his face. You see, oh, well, do I go to the left? Oh, yeah, left. Oh, pick. Pass to the guy. When he's just out there just doing his thing, just kind of eh, eh, doing his little, you know, French do do and all of that. That's the Killian Hayes that gets you what we've seen out of the last 10 games. And let me go on ahead and pull that up here. Because with what you've seen in the last 10 games out of Killian, that's primarily coincided with the fact that Cade Cunningham. And listen, dog, he is a star. Get healthy soon, big dog. Number two, get healthy soon. Uh, I know the surgery is on the way if you already haven't had it. And uh, he's going to miss the season. They want to do it now so he can get a full offseason to work. So he can get a full offseason to get better and come back next season just ready to hit the ground running. So we're going to have, you know, um, star power back next year. That's what, I, you know, Kay Cunningham, straight up. But there is a blessing in disguise here. When he went out, Killian Hayes finally got those same opportunities and shot attempts that he got in the preseason. He got those attempts again. Now, some people will say, well, then what happens when Kay Cunningham comes back? Well, the hope is that Killian now understands you can play ball, bro. You can play ball. Let's pull up those 10 games, these last 10 games. Because uh, Killian Hayes has been on an absolute tear. And, and it's nothing world-beating. I don't want to see and act like the man is going out there and, and, and averaging like 25, 10, and 10 or anything like that. But I do believe that it's important for Killian Hayes to be able to go out there and have games like this. And there's one important thing that I want to point out here in this 10 games here, okay? Look. It shows 13.7 points per game, 7.7 assists per game, 3.6 rebounds uh, over his last 10, okay? Uh, you also see here the three-point percentage is way, way, way up, 38.3%, and you see the field goal percentage at 45.2%. Killing Hayes is just a man out there doing his job. You know, the assist-to-turnover ratio is looking beautiful, too. He's almost at a four-to-one four, four to one rate uh, ratio. If you can get those assists up just a little bit more, or drop those turnovers just a smidge, just a smidge. Um, now, what I've liked here 
and you'll see in his 10, he has a string of nice games. There was a six-game stretch here where he was over double figures, and he was putting up really nice assist numbers every game. My wonder and my, my hope was, my fear was, my concern, whatever you want to call it, was just this. When he hits a bad game, how is he going to respond? And he hit a bad game. You see here against Miami, uh, it wasn't the best of games for him. You know, didn't shoot too too well. Didn't didn't really. You know, that was a game where people were wondering why did he come out the game? Why didn't they, why didn't Dwayne Casey kind of keep him in there and whatnot? Uh, then he came right back and had a really good game, really good game. 17, 12, and six against New Orleans. Right then he came back and had two clunkers, and I was like, dang man, you know, let's see what he's going to do here. Let's see. And he came out and he absolutely went to town. Now you guys gotta understand something. LaMelo Ball was out there last night, man, getting it in. He was. He he was part of the reason why, you know, the Hornets had a had a really, really good shot at winning that game last night. You know, just to put it in perspective, LaMelo Ball last night, 23 points, 11 rebounds, five threes for him as well. Now, that's the guy that when draft time was here, a lot of people were like, yo, we hope LaMelo Ball comes here. We hope, we hope he falls to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, we didn't know exactly where these guys were going to go. Killing Hayes was somebody that was high up on that on that list as well. But you got to understand, like, bro, LaMelo Ball got ties to Michigan. He was hanging out in Somerset all summer. He was, uh, you know, in Detroit gyms and all that type of stuff, working out. He didn't even come out and say, yo, I wouldn't mind being drafted by Detroit. You know, Lamar, uh, LeVar Ball was out there talking about it a little bit too. You know, I believe, I believe it's LaMelo's mom who got some ties or some connections to here, as well as the agent or the trainer that LaMelo was working with was from here as well. And so it was a situation where, you know, these two guys, they were what? Two of the top guards drafted, man. So it was cool to see Killian Hayes take that personal last night and say, no, no, I'm ending this. I'm ending this. Against Charlotte, I wanted to see him take the last shot in regulation. Coach Casey went to Boyan Bogdanovich, which I know a lot of fans were just like, ah! I get it. I get it, y'all. I get it. I get it. I, not no one's gonna be perfect. I believe that Casey has his flaws, but I believe largely for this rebuild, for this restoration, for this period in time, for this squad, what you see out of Killian Hayes, I do believe that Casey has a lot to do with that as well. You know, being able to unlock this guy's mental and everything, being able to put him in the right positions to succeed, being able to make sure you have this patient approach with him, and that you're able to teach. You know, you're able to educate. You're able to sit down and go through film. You're able to put him in position to, you know, both play. And sit on the bench and watch someone like a Corey Joseph go out there who's a vet and can run the plays at least, can put you in a position to show you how it's supposed to look. So, yeah, I, I Killian Hayes, he, he's somebody that, look, I, I believe from here you're going to see a guy who's going to be threatening for most improved player of the year. He's going to be a guy who is going to continue to put up stats this season because the team is going to need him to, and he has the space to do so. The next step in his in his in, you know evolution in in his uh, development is going to be: Can you continue to play this way when you go to the bench? Can you continue to be that guy when you ultimately have to play with K. Cunningham? You know, when you ultimately have to go back to sharing you know the floor and space and the rock with guys like Sadiq Bay, Alec Burks, and things of that nature. I believe he can. And what I love is the fact that his probing style of offense that when, when he's looking to score rather than looking to just make a pass, he winds, up, he winds up with, I think, more consistent assist numbers than not. Look at it. As the shot attempts kind of go up, his assist totals have been consistently five, six, seven, five, six, seven every single game. So, look, 
I'm calling y'all out. If there's something that I'm getting wrong here with Killian Hayes, haters, let me hear it. Let me hear it. If we're being kind of too overzealous right now, the Killian supporters, the people who have believed in his game, I want to hear it. I really do. Let me know what I'm missing here. But I believe that this Killian Hayes is here to stay. I would like to see him get that points per game average up even a little bit more. But with the impact that he makes on the assist, I'm not upset with it. How can you be 13.3 points per game? You know, I, I'm not upset with it at all. Listen, beef number two that we got to get into. All right. Jade Ivy versus Benedict Mathen. And I got my notes ready for this one, y'all. I had I I I'm telling y'all, I, I had to have it ready. Okay. We all knew coming out of college that Benedict Mathen could shoot the three, had a little bit more uh, you know, pizzazz to his offensive game coming out of college. That's just what he was. Everybody knew that. That's not why we wanted Ivy. That's not why Piston fans wanted Ivy. That's not what they were looking at when they wanted Ivy. This was always about the higher ceiling that Jaden Ivy possesses, the overall impact that he has on a game. And um, we're going to get to something uh, at the end of this. That is, it's just, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in Detroit Pistons fans, but we're going to talk about it, okay? Mathurin, he is a more polished scorer, you know, volume shooter. He, he still shoots, you know, whether he's off or on. It's his role. And when you look at the stats, it really, really, really tells that story. It's his role. Um, to me, like I've already said it, Jalen, Jaden Ivy is the better overall player who, even if he's off, he's still making impact plays. He's making plays for others and in various other ways defensively as well. All right, listen, I'm not going to pull up all the stats here for right now, but I did find something very, very interesting as it related to this Jaden Ivy, Benedict Matherin, um, you know, debate. When I was looking at their, uh, you know, their event stats and their events metrics and everything, you start to see a little bit different picture than just, oh, Benedict Matherin can score. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. He's sitting at like, what, like 17.8 points per game. But let's break this down a little bit, okay? When you look at their triage of stats, Matherin is ahead by about 2.6 points per game over Jaden Ivey. For somebody that's supposed to be that much more of a polished scorer, and I'm not hating on Benedict Matherin because he was my number two. If we couldn't get Jaden Ivey, I was hoping that the Pistons would be able to select Benedict Matherin because he's just an absolute gunner. I thought that would be something great off the bench, exactly the way that Indiana is using him right now. But I believe that Jaden Ivey possessed his all-around talent, the skill set, similar to Dwayne Wade, who could go out there and get you a good 15, 7, and 5. And that's what we see out of you know his rookie year. And that's what we see out of Jaden Ivey already. So though Matherin is up 2.6 points per game over uh, Jaden Ivey, who's at 15.2, um, Matherin is at 17.8. Ivey is a little bit shorter than Matherin, but he actually grabs 0.3 more rebounds, 4.4, 4.5 rebounds per game to about 4 to 4.1 rebounds per game for Benedict Matherin. Now, the assists per game is where you start to really, really draw a line in the sand between what is it that you actually, you know, value. Ivy is a plus 2.4. That man's assist game is up there. It's up there, guys. Um, Ivy is at uh, four assists per game, whereas um matherin is at 1.6 assists per game so look i hear the scoring 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 i hear that and i know he got off to a nice hot start and everybody wanted to coronate him over ivy just the same way people wanted to you know off the first 10 games of the season you know send killian to the moon bro upon him to the moon and, and to never return you know they, they treated that man like scar like yo run away and never come back you know it's just like bro Nah, that's not how it's going to go down because the last 10 games between Jaden Ivey and uh, Benedict Matherin, mm, we're going to get into it, guys. We really are. 
But um, what I wanted to do here is this, and I hope I don't lose you guys here, okay? We're going to get into a little bit of math, but it matters. Don't y'all just be lazy about, oh, he scores. Oh, he got better dribble moves. Ah. Come on, guys. Do you realize that Jade and Ivy, we're going to get into these advanced stats, the assist rate. Jade and Ivy's assist rate is 20%. Can you guess what Benedict Matherin's is? So that means while Jay Nivey's on the floor, man, he's he's assisting on 20% of the baskets that are going in, as well as scoring some of those, you know, some other baskets. Think about that, guys. What an impact. Matherin's assist rate, 8.4%. When I really started getting into these numbers, I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely going to be one of those elite scoring type guards. But what else is he going to be doing? And I don't know, you know, is I don't know if he's actually been ever asked to play make you know that's something uh you know my co-host from the woodward pistons platform uh jeff iafredi he always 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 when assessing players he asks what are they asked to do that's the main thing jay Ivey, he wasn't asked to do certain things that he's doing now with the pistons and it's showing proficient so maybe benedict matherin is asked to just be that gunner but as it relates to the assist you see a huge difference there man 20 percent assist rate to 8.2 percent for matherin versus ivy um, you know, and, and another thing with Matherin scoring, it's actually been helped by a higher usage rate and a more favorable whist- whistle that Jay Ivey just hasn't gotten. Matherin's free throw rate is at a pretty good, really good, 42.3%. And that's stuff that stars get. Ivey's sitting at 32.8%. I believe that that needs to be up a little bit more, but that would have made a difference. If that if that free throw rate was up to the 42%, then Jay Ivey's averaging 17.8, 18 points per game as well just like Benedict Matherin. Um, and the other thing here, the usage rate, you know, Ivy's rate, it's pretty high for a rookie at 24.6. Matherin is at 25.5. So he gets a few more opportunities at scoring the basket. And these things are important when you want to talk about breaking down a player and if the Pistons made the wrong choice or not, okay? You could put yourself at ease. Troy Weaver knows what he's doing, okay? This is the, the, the telltale here. 15.2 points per game for Ivy to 17.8 points per game for Matherin. But when you look at points responsible for, which is taking into effect the minimum amount of points that can be had off of what the player's assists are, that tells a different story. Jaden Ivy is at 23.2 points responsible for per game compared to 21 points responsible for for Benedict Matherin. That's when you add 3.2 uh, points per game possible from 1.6 assists per game from Benedict Matherin to his 17.8 points per game. That's where you get the 21. For Jay and Ivy, he averages four assists a game. Some of those could be threes. So it could be more than a possible eight points. You know, two-point shots, uh, you know, times four assists is going to get you eight. But what if one or two of those are threes to Bogey or Killian or whatnot? So we're just going with the minimum baseline here. When you add that eight points to his 15.2, that's 23.2 points per game. You know, and when you look at the college stats, you see a big jump. Um, for Jaden Ivey as well in the assist department. He went from like one, one and some change to like three and a half. He was asked to play make a little bit more and it showed up in the stats. Benedict Matherin in college, he only had marginal gains, very, very, very marginal gains to assist. And so that does worry me a little bit when you're talking about a guy who, if your shot's not falling, what else are you doing for me? Jaden Ivey has gone out there sometimes and, you know, 10 points, but you see, you know, seven rebounds, six assists, a block, two steals, those are the things that I like. Now, did you guys ever stop to ask yourself who plays a better defense between Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin? Hmm. 
I hope you took that time, Justin, to ask yourselves who plays the better defense between Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin. Okay, people? Listen, shame on you. Any Detroit Pistons fan out there, listen, all you people outside of Detroit, outside of the state of Michigan, maybe you might not know how we get down here. But any Pistons fan who got enamored with the prettiness of box score stats, box score points per games, instead of what every single Pistons winner has always been known and identified by, Defense? Come on, guys. Defense. Do you understand that when you look at the advanced stats, Ivy leads Matherin in defensive rebound rate, total rebound rate, steals, and blocks? I don't I don't know what to do with my hands right now. I just guys, all right. Let me let me say that again. Okay. Just so you know. Ivy leads in defensive rebound rate. Total rebound rate, steals, and blocks. And it's not even really close in these stats, guys. Now, I get Matherin is six foot six. I thought he would make a little bit better impact on that end of the, the court. You know, and we were talking about this on the What We're Pistons podcast during the summer. Uh, Jeff Ifrady and, De- and Detroit News, Rod Beard. Um, about what are these guys asked to do? And we didn't know what Jay Navi was really going to be able to do, but we thought that his athleticism, his speed, and his pedigree, you know, shout out to Nio Ivy, his mom. Um, you know, we his coach, coach at Notre Dame. You know, he's and she played, shout out for the Detroit Shock, Indiana Fever, and the WNBA and everything. His family, his connections to Detroit and everything, all of the athleticism that runs in it professionally. Jaden Ivy's stock, like I just believed all of that along with what he showed in college, his overall impact on the game and his ability to be able to be one of those guys that can eventually be, you know, a 25 and five nightly type of guy. That's what drew me to him. That ceiling. It's so, so high. Do I believe Benedict Matthews is going to be one of those guys one day that can go out there and pop off for like 30, like a tall Jamal Crawford? Yes, I really do. But for what this team needs, for what the Detroit Pistons need moving forward, it is a player similar to the type of Jaden Ivey. Now, now that you got your K Cunningham, now that you got your Jay and Ivy, now that you have your Jalen Duran, do they need an absolute gunner? Do they need a two? Yes, they do. They do. They need a shooting guard so, so bad that can just go out there and fill it up. And you know who's absolutely made that um, kind of known? It kind of exposed that is Alec Burks. He comes off the bench and he just goes to work. Between what he can do and then what Bojan and Killian were doing with the starters, Alec Burks was effectively keeping the bench in the game. Uh, and Kevin Knox, I can't, I can't, I can't leave him out. These guys are coming in and they're just absolute gunners. So look, guys, look, I think that's a wrap. I, this is the Believe in Beef, the first episode of Believe in Pistons. Like I said, I'm calling out all the Killian Hayes haters. If I've missed something, let me know. I'm calling out all those who just went Benedict Matherin, Benedict Matherin, Benedict Matherin, just because my man is scoring a little bit. Look, you know what? And one more thing before we go. I want to be able to show you guys their last 10 games. Benedict Matherin started off shooting really, really well. And when you just kind of box score watch and you just like, oh, cool. He's shooting like 35% and Jay Ivey only shooting like 30%. You know what you wind up happening? You missing? You wind up missing the context, guys. Look, Benedict Mathurin, he's showing he can score, but his scoring in the last 10 is down um, over compared to his season average of 17.8. Right now, of his last 10, it's at 15.9 points per game. He's still, you know, his assists have even dropped from the 1.6 down to 1.4. Um, and if you look at the shooting numbers here, 
it's very, very telling, man. Three-point percentage-wise, that man is down to 22%. And his field goal is down to, like, 38%. So that's why I'm saying, look, don't overreact. Don't underreact. Don't come out here bash. Don't come out here just to act as if, you know, because Jay Ivey may have a bad stretch. Or even because Benedict Matthew may have a bad stretch. These guys are bad players. They're not bad players. Not by the least bit. And just so you can see what Jaden Ivey is doing over these last 10 as well, it's been pretty much an up-and-down season for him. He started hot and then kind of slowed down um, a little bit over the season. And then he kind of stabilized. What I've liked about Jaden Ivey is, regardless of the scoring output, he's still finding ways to stay impactful on, you know, within rebounding and assists per game. If you take a look at his, and if you go back to Benedict Matthews, you'll see a lot of zeros in that assist column. You'll see a lot of low numbers in that rebound column. With Jaden Ivey, these things, they kind of stay consistent. And if you look at three-point shooting, he's gotten much better. Over the last 10, he's actually shooting a better three-point percentage than uh, Benedict Mather, which is at 30%. And field goal percentage just underneath him, just underneath. I believe that when he starts getting more foul calls, that would definitely help him. Right now, he's getting 4.1 a game. I believe he needs more with the way that he drives to the rim. But he needs to probably get tougher, a little bit stronger, I, you know, I don't know. I, it is just me just kind of spitballing some stuff because I believe he deserves to get the calls. But you know how it goes. You in Detroit and you're a rookie, man. So, yeah, listen. Next episode, we're going to get on here. We're going to try and talk about some of these draft picks. We're going to try and talk about, you know, um, what shooting guards, what wings do we believe would fit with this squad? Because we got to make sure that they don't run into the same predicament. You know, we're also going to get in here and talk about um, the trade proposals. We got Nolan's Noel. We have Bojan Bogdanovic. We got Sadiq Bey coming up in all types of rumors, and we're going to get right into it. Also, I will be introducing my very special crew, the Table Talk crew. All right. They're going to come down. They're going to break down. They help me cover this game from multiple different angles. Uh, Steve is the draft guru, whereas Sean, Sean Murphy from Half Court. He does all things NBA. So he gives us a, bit, a little bit broader perspective. He's going to have his, a touch on, you know, what some of these other teams might be willing to offer in return for Sadiq Bey, Bojan Bogdanovic, or, and or Nerlens Noel. Listen, but thanks for rocking out, all right? If there's anything I said that was crazy, just let me know in the comments, bro. We can always rap. We can always talk about it, all right? But for the Believe Network, this is Believe in Pistons, a Detroit Pistons podcast, and I am your host, Brandon Dent, a.k.a. Detroit Kool-Aid credential NBA media till next time y'all.